Yeah, we uh, we sent Marshall home. We decided that we uh, we don't need his news at nine thirty. Probably better off with his giant giant Day mid-region. Error. Take it on home. Oh boy. Set her up on an ottoman and watch a little TV. Exactly. Apply the ice. Get his jock strap out. Better off that way. Mm-hmm. Glad you're here. A lot of stuff we could do. I don't know. I'm feeling, you know, you remember when you used to go to the video store and there's so many choices you couldn't choose anything? Video store syndrome. I'm like that on things we could talk about. All these items I've gotten together. All these, these stories, these expose. I just don't even know where to start. Remember that nurse in Salt Lake City and the uh, interaction with the cop? The scumbag cop. Oh, yeah. We'll remind you of that. They, uh, She got a bunch of money, as she deserved. Some of the Facebook ads that were out there during the election, maybe you fell for them. We now know what some of them are. That's pretty interesting. Well, he was the toast of the town for many years. Wasn't he sort of John Boehner, the uh, head Republican for quite a, a long while? The... Orange is the new retired. Right. Well, um, he he's back, in a way, through an absolutely... Interesting and terrific and and lengthy piece by uh, Mr. Tim Alberta in the Politico mag. Uh, I read a substantial part of it, and and it is uh, it's something. He's a colorful guy, and not just his his uh, complexion. Tim Alberta, writer for Politico, joins us now. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. So, uh, listen, uh, the one thing I took from your profile of John Boehner is that he is a uh, he is a colorful and quirky guy. What was it like spending a bunch of time with him? You know, it was great, actually, because I will say this for Mr. Boehner, uh, even when he was still speaker, he is one of the few really honest people in Washington. And, of course, he couldn't be quite as honest then as he can be now. But uh, I've always respected him because he's a guy who's, you know, he's not full of crap, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. And he'll, he'll tell you what he thinks. He'll tell you why he thinks it. And that's not to say he's always right or he's always wrong, but he's a he's a pretty open book. And so as a reporter, you really can't ask for much more than that. Well, revelation number one, he refers to himself as boner when he's unhappy with himself. <laughs> yes, he does. He's got a habit on the golf course, especially of uh, after he flubs his shot, he will call himself boner. But the interesting thing is that when he makes a great shot, his friends call him boner. So it's a very, uh, <laughs> as I say in the piece, there's sort of a, an interesting little ecosystem uh, with, with its own rules as far as uh, the use of the word boner. Well, the reason I'm mostly interested in this is, and I've noticed this several times throughout my life, when politicians finally retire, hang it up, they are often honest about things that uh, it's beneficial to hear. What did he tell you specifically stuck out? Well, boy, where do I start? Uh, I think he pulled no punches as far as his relationships with conservative members in his own conference uh, when he was the speaker and certainly conservative elements of the media, uh, talk radio in particular. He had some colorful things to say about Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and, and Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, you know, colorful look, I, I how think, praising or critique? Oh, no, very, very critical, uh, believing that. Look, I think the theory of the case for John Boehner is that the country is in trouble, not just Congress and not just the political system, but the country is in trouble because of the division and the polarization uh, among the, among its people, among its citizens. And he believes that the polarization 
is part of this or is the result of this kind of self-perpetuating cycle of people locking themselves into media echo chambers with conservatives only listening to talk radio and Fox News and liberals only, you know, watching MSNBC. And he believes that guys like Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin and Sean Hannity have destroyed the modern Republican Party by essentially fooling a lot of view listeners and, and viewers in the case of Fox News in, into believing things that just aren't true as far as what the party can and cannot accomplish. So that, that's that is a big part of his critique of modern Washington and of modern politics. It all goes back to the media for him. He thinks a lot of people are a-holes, apparently. What's uh, Who tops his list of a-holes in D.C.? And he used that word in your piece. Yeah, he did. Well, I think you would start probably with a gentleman named Jim Jordan, who is the founding chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, a group that uh, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, a group of uh, you know very conservative members of the House of Representatives. Jim Jordan, before founding that group, was seen as kind of the godfather of the House conservatives, the guy who was the leader of the uh, intra-party opposition, if you will. And he was always viewed uh, among Boehner's allies as the you know chief antagonist uh, in the Boehner story, a guy who was also from Ohio. Matter of fact, they represented neighboring districts, Jordan and Boehner. And Jordan was viewed as a guy who made Boehner's life miserable as speaker. And so I think that he tops the list, but there are no shortage of other members. I mean, I couldn't even get into the piece because, believe it or not, I ran out of room, in, in, even in a long piece. Uh, Boehner sounds off on all kinds of different members and different groups and what their motivations were and what they should have been. I mean, we could have written an entire story just letting him vent on all of these different colleagues of his. Interesting. Tim Alberta's on the line. He's a writer for Politico magazine. I have much common what have you just said, but I don't know if I want to say it here uh, when we when we let you go because I want to get you roped into um, uh, you know editorializing on this. I, I did I did notice that uh, Boehner said in the piece that he's never had a hot dog in his life, which uh, is a heck of a claim, and um, <laughs> and that if, sad. if he were going to die from smoking, he'd be dead already as much as he smokes, which is a funny thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, he should, I should clarify the first comment. What he said was that he'd never had a hot dog for dinner in his life, and which is actually – I included it because it was humorous, but it was also very telling because Boehner is a guy who, when people talk about old school, especially in, in the sense of Congress, what does that mean? Boehner really was viewed as a guy who was like the Dean Martin of Congress, this, this throwback to another era, this kind of backslapping, cigarette-smoking, wine-drinking politician who, for him – it would be unthinkable to have a hot dog for dinner, as funny as that sounds. He believes that it, it would be in violation of this code of you know how he's supposed to conduct himself. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, the wine thing. I remember reading Woodward's book when Boehner and Barack Obama were trying to put together the, the grand bargain, which never happened, and how they would have to meet out on the patio all the time because Boehner was going to smoke, and he always had a glass of red wine. That was mm. part of the deal. Mm. That's right. Yeah, they, those two had a fascinating relationship in their own right. And Did, Boehner says at one point in the piece, you know, I'm out there smoking and drinking red wine, and here's the president chewing Nicorette and, and sipping iced tea. And Boehner said, you know, what more do you need to know about the two of us, which is a pretty funny way of putting it. Yeah. Did you happen to get to, because it's one of the going to be a question for history forever, maybe. Who blew that deal up? They got close to making a deal. I mean, the big, we're going to cut spending, we're going to, we're going to do whatever to try to get this whole entitlement thing under control. And they were so close, and they each blamed the other uh, on how that ended. Do you have any idea? 
Well, essentially, there's truth in both versions. I mean, the Republican version, the, the, the Boehner version, is that they had a deal and that the White House backed away from it. And that is true. I mean, I, I think from all accounts, there was a deal, uh, you know, that there, there was still some ink to dry and they needed to dot some I's and cross some T's. But for all intents and purposes, the framework of the agreement was in place and they shook hands on it. So to Boehner, again, being kind of an old school guy, if you shake hands, then the deal is done. From the White House's perspective, they say, well, look, uh, the the conservatives in Boehner's conference who he would have needed to go along with this were never on board. And that because Boehner couldn't bring his own people along to begin with, we really didn't have a deal uh, or, or maybe we had a deal in theory, but not in practice. So those were sort of the competing versions of events spun by the White House. But I think most people who were around and who were in the middle of reporting on that and who were privy to those conversations on both sides generally agreed that Boehner's argument there was was a good one and, and, and an accurate one, that in fact he did believe that the White House walked away from the deal that they had struck. Interesting. Speaking of the White House, finally, Tim, I don't know if uh, Mr. Boehner had any comment on the new guy who, I don't know if you know this, he's the... Uh, He's Donald Trump, the fellow from The Apprentice TV show. He's the president now. Uh, did Boehner say anything about Donald Trump? You know, he did. He It was interesting. Boehner was a little bit careful when talking about Trump, and, and that was really the only thing he was careful talking about. And it was because right before we'd started, he'd gotten an earful from the White House about giving a speech where he said Trump's presidency had been a disaster so far. And that's clearly how Trump felt. What I was struck by, well, a couple of things. First, Boehner was talking about the polarization and the divisiveness that, you know, that we, I was referencing earlier. And he was saying that, you know, look, that basically there was a chance to break the fever, that, that Americans in 2016 had a chance to, to move past the polarization of the Obama years and the George W. Bush years. And instead, their two nominees were Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And it was really remarkable because Boehner kind of took this long sigh and he said, 330 million Americans, and we got those two. That's uh, just a, that's a, that's a really breathtaking thing for him to say. And he also, I think, was very interesting talking about how when the president, for instance, about a month ago gave Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi what they wanted, which was a short-term debt ceiling extension. And Boehner said to me that basically he had cut off Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell at the knees by doing that. So it was interesting for his perspective Having been a guy who was accused so often of selling out and not standing up to, the, to you know, the president and to Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid, and that he was always accused of selling out conservatives, that basically Trump did the same thing in giving away the store to Schumer and Pelosi. But there were just there were crickets in the conservative base, you know, in, re, in response to that. Mm. So I think Boehner was very much bothered by this sort of double standard that he sees as far as Trump. Tim Alberta is a writer for Politico magazine. If you have any interest in the reality behind uh, the things we're talking about, read the piece. It's excellent. We'll have a link so you can find it uh, quickly. Uh, Tim, enjoy the chat very much. Thanks for the time. Sure. Thank you, guys. All right. Good to talk to you. The, the only part that, I mean, as far as Boehner, he doesn't like, he doesn't like Rush, he doesn't like Levin, he doesn't like, you know, they're, whatever they're doing, causing the divisiveness. My argument, and I think a, a lot of people like me and the people who listen to those radio shows you mentioned, we don't want the Boehner wing to continue and win. The Boehner wing is all for the government continuing to grow, continuing to spend more than it takes in just forever mm -hmm. until it falls apart long after they're dead. Right. 
I would agree 100 percent. I think there's truth to what he says about talk radio, convincing its listeners that you can get the whole loaf all the time. Right. If only you have the will, which that's a fiction. It's it's never been true. It will never be true. But it sounds appealing. So there's truth in that. But, yeah, under Republican Congresses, Republican presidents, both the deficit grows and grows and grows. The only person who could grow the government more viciously and irresponsibly than Barack Obama. Well, I'm sorry. The only person that could grow up more irresponsibly than George W. Bush did was Barack Obama. Obama! But Bush is a close second. So, yeah, the idea that that the country in the hands of the mainstream Republicans will be some sort of conservative redoubt of truth and justice, please save it. Go play another round of golf, you orange dip-ass. I don't need to hear it. Orange dip-ass. And Merlot, are you serious? Always Merlot. What do you eat? Well, smoking too much, it kills your taste buds. That's his problem. <laughs> I don't mind a nice Merlot occasionally with a steak or a hot dog. <clears throat> but every night... Should I ask him if he started blubbering at any point? Because that's what he's also famous for, right? Yeah. I don't know. Go away is my attitude. Do you remember that nurse in Salt Lake City and that uh, interaction with the cop? And uh, there was audio. It was just horrifying. Oh, I'll play it for you in a few minutes. Yep. She just got paid a half a million dollars, which she should have. Um, some of the ads that were running on Facebook, some of the info that was floating around... From the Russians. From the Russians. We're learning a lot more and more about that. I I think I remember hearing some of these and, and, and taking them as true. Yeah, let's hit a bunch of examples. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Come on, big fella. You drunk, big fella. Two sips and now you want to trip, big fella. You're not a drinker. I can see it all in your leg, big fella. You wobbly, big fella. You finna fall. Sit down, you drunk, big fella. Everybody outside, when I pull up outside all night, though. I read that to sway the election, Russian agents posted over 1,000 YouTube videos. But then even Putin was like, oh my goodness, these comments are so mean. Why don't these people get lives? (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll do that. What do you think of that in lieu of Marshall's news, since we sent him and his giant testicles home? Hmm. Uh, Doing what? Uh, the, the the fake news Russian thing. Let's do it. I have a bunch of examples. Yeah, and I know you do too. Yeah, and uh, and the pickle that Facebook is in, or, or all of social media, where they've got to simultaneously say, "This didn't really have any effect," but our ads really work. If you want to buy ads, but this <laughs> these didn't have any effect, except the ones. But they're you the buy. only ones. <laughs> right. So that later. Do you remember this story, the Salt Lake City nurse and everything? I don't actually remember. I remember I was outraged. Yes. A, uh, uh, a fellow had been involved in a fatal wreck, um, and uh, actually the, the poor fellow died. Uh, but a truck driver who was an innocent in it was taken in unconscious, and the cops wanted, that cop wanted his blood tested for alcohol or drugs or whatever. And the nurse informed him that, no, the policy we worked out with your, your, you guys is we don't take any samples from an unconscious patient without a judge's order, a warrant, et cetera, et cetera. We don't jam a needle in a guy who's passed out 
without a warrant. Just because you say to, we can't. Um, and then she got her supervisor on the phone who explained, no, this is the policy. Don't be mad at her. She's just blah, blah, blah. And the cop went crazy and arrested her, but it, it was a little like this. Brad, I'm just putting on speaker so you can... So, I have this... It says obtaining blood samples for police enforcement from patients suspected to be under the influence. Okay? This is something that you guys agree to with this hospital. The three things that allow us to do that are if you have an electronic warrant, patient consent, or patient under arrest. And neither of those things... The patient can't consent. He told me repeatedly that he doesn't have a warrant, and the patient is not under arrest. So I'm just trying to do the, what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's all. So. Okay, so I take it without those in place, I'm not going to get blood. Is that... Am, am I fair to surmise that? Okay. I don't know. I have no idea why he's blaming me. I'm just representing. Why are you blaming the messenger, sir? She's the one that has told me no. Yeah, but sir, you're making a huge mistake right now. Okay. Like, like you're making a huge mistake because you're threatening a nurse. Okay. No, we're done. We're, we're done. You're under arrest. We're going. We're done. That guy shouldn't be within a thousand miles of being uh, given authority for anything. Yeah, no kidding. What a moron. Jeez. It's a, it, you know, it's a shame she, uh, she's not required to do anything. She didn't do anything wrong, but if she had been more aware of how wrong he was. I would have liked to, dude, this is going to cost you and your department millions of dollars. Your job, this is a huge mistake you're making. Yeah. You have no idea. She settled for half a mil. Half a million dollars that the department paid, which means the taxpayer paid. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. It sucks. Of course, the the department hired this guy somehow. I wonder got if Gary the Goon will get another job in law enforcement. Oh, that Go happens. To a different department. That not only happens sometimes, it happens all the time. A lot. All the time. Yeah. Go to different states, different police districts, whatever, you get you get hired again. Washington Post did a big one on that a couple of weeks ago. You shoot a couple of people, you're too hot for that department, you go somewhere else. It's amazing. Um, but whatever psychological test we have to try to weed out that dude didn't work. That is incredible. I mean, he was so far out of bounds. Well, the one thing that's it's funny, it hadn't struck me at all, the, the, the violation of a, a free, a free citizen's rights really struck me the first time we heard that. But what struck me this time is the, sir, why are you blaming the messenger? Well, she's the one who's telling me that she won't give it. No, that's what that expression means. That's, <laughs> that makes her, quote unquote, the messenger. Nah, I'm wasting my time here. Just a dumbass. I don't know. Uh, you're under arrest for. He's an idiot. Not jabbing people with needles when a cop asks me to. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty that's pretty troubling. That's pretty troubling. And uh, was that the only instance of that th- sort of thing in his career, or or not? We don't know. Yeah, how many times pre body cam had something like that happened? Yeah, because he obviously has a odd relationship between law enforcement and the public. I'm I'm kind of surprised she didn't end up with more than five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, 
If it had been several million, I wouldn't have been shocked. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, you know, she wasn't badly injured or anything. It was a terrible experience and frightening, and she was bruised, I guess. Oh, you, you, if you weren't frightened, you were making a mistake. Because a guy that mad with a gun and a stick, who freaking knows what he's going to do? Right. Right. Oof, that's a rough one. Um, so he sent Marshall home. I don't know if you heard his charming tale a half an hour ago. We will not repeat it, but his uh, he's he's in pain from his surgery and a little high, he said, on OxyContin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so uh, we said, you know what? You can, I hope he's Ubering or something. You can go on home, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll handle the news. And the news we'll handle is this. There's a big hearing yesterday with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. MySpace? Google. Google. Uh, being questioned by our lawmakers. How, how come you guys couldn't figure out the Russians were doing this? But that's one question. The other question is what exact ads were floating around? I know of at least one that I remember specifically taking in and thinking, wow, that's pretty surprising information. It's surprising because it was fake. <laughs> it was made up by the Russians. We'll hit you with all that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So Sports Illustrated is doing its first open casting call for the swimsuit issue. And I've thought more or less my whole life when very watching the baseball game last night, the World Series, you got Verlander starting for the Astros, and there's his girlfriend up there in the stands. What's her name? Kate Upton. Kate Upton. Don't you ever forget that again. (laughs) Who was the the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, issue a couple years back? And, And, you know, she's she's obviously extraordinarily attractive, but there are lots of women that look like that. The idea that, that that Sports Illustrated has to pay a ton of money to pluck the one out of the world who looks like they're, they're all over the place. Mm. Go to any town in America. So I think the open casting call is a pretty good idea. I've already requested the time off. I think I can make it. <laughs> see how that turns out. Uh, she's, uh, she's something. She's like a cartoon out of a men's magazine. Mm. Her proportions occur once every 10 million births. So, um, three- 100 million. <laughs> Three companies taking questions from senators yesterday. You had your uh, your Facebook, your Twitter, and your Google. And uh, it's bing all, it! It's, it's all about <laughs> you the, can read all about it. The Russian ads. <laughs> and Facebook has turned over some three thousand ads from Russian sources to Congress. Twitter found thousands of fake accounts. There are fake accounts on Twitter. Hmm. Jack's earring would disagree. <laughs> um, so would Joe's beard. <laughs> Joe Getty's beard. Or old Simple Jack's head. Yeah, exactly. That's a fake account. That's right. Um, and senators used some of the ads and posts from those fake accounts to hammer home their frustration with Facebook and Twitter on Tuesday. A couple of them that they used as examples. And this is the one that I actually remember and struck me as, wow, that's really a problem. Is the uh, the ad that was going around. Wait, the- I know. I know which one it was. Because I just saw it. The one that showed Hillary Clinton shaking hands with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> what? Because I couldn't believe it when I saw that picture. Wow. I <laughs> yeah. can't believe we're going to elect somebody who's friends with Osama right. bin Laden. I was shocked myself. <laughs> that's uh, that's a real, by the way. That's a real example. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Who did that fool? <laughs> I don't know. Same or person all these things fool. Or most of these yeah, things. Yeah, but how fool. does that get past? It, it, maybe it was intended to be symbolic. 
Oh, that could be. Senator Chris Coons showed this Facebook ad first, an anti-Hillary Clinton ad from a group called Heart of Texas. Well, they, they, they've got to be good. Uh, that ran this ad uh, in 2016. Um, the ad was targeted to users with interest in things like patriotism and veterans and all that sort of stuff. And yep. I remember this particular ad. The ad showed uh, a, a soldier on the battlefield. And the ad claimed that Clinton has, quote, 69% disapproval rate among all veterans and suggested that the American army should be withdrawn from Hillary's control if she were elected president. Hmm. I remember seeing that number and thinking, wow, that is that is something. I remember that number myself. I think we might have talked yeah. about it on the air. We may have. Made up by the Russians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Heart of Texas site was an interesting example because that went on for a very long time, and it had a lot of content. I just happened to be reading about it. That was pro-Texas, Texas pride, et cetera, et cetera, some good Second Amendment stuff and and the rest of it. But then they would lapse into really out there uh, criticisms of, of Hillary and Obama and the rest of it. But it was, like all good scams, roughly 80% true. Just point out in this article, there's no way of knowing if this affected anybody's votes. But then again, Facebook, for instance, is in the difficult situation of saying, we don't know if it affected anybody's votes. So you're saying your advertising doesn't work? Oh, it doesn't, works. Doesn't convince people? Oh, no, 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 no. It's a great idea. <laughs> you want to sell something, this is the place. Right. Except for these. <clears throat> these didn't do anything. The next example uh, that uh, Senator Coons put out, and th- this is different than that, than than just a misleading statistic. This is an event that never occurred, an event called Miners for Trump. That was not real. It like was a, young people or people who dig in the ground? People who dig in the ground. Ah, okay. Looking for natural resources. Okay. In this particular case, I believe coal. It's got Donald Trump in a miner's hat standing up there. It looks like in front of a large group of people holding various signs about mining and that sort of thing. And I like mining. And it's and it said Donald... Coal is under the ground. Only one way to get it. That sort of thing. And, and it said underneath the, the picture... This event, Miners for Trump, which had a huge turnout, Donald Trump said he would put miners back to work. But the picture of the event, the event itself, never occurred. Mm. So I would see that and think, oh, okay, okay, he's got the miners behind him, certainly, wherever he held that very successful event. No, people, the, the event didn't occur because people were so shocked by Hillary shaking hands with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> That's pretty interesting, though. That one is 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 less like the overt statement of a fact, like 69% of veterans don't like Hillary Clinton. Right. And just putting an oppression in my mind. Boy, look at that giant crowd of miners who are loving Donald Trump. Yeah, inflating the perception of, of, who, of how much he has approved, which is a sloppy way to say what well, I just no, said. No, I, I hear you say it. The swing states, boy, the industrial states, they, really, they are really going Trump's way. It's amazing the momentum he's built. Sure. I think it's worth pointing out that Trump won Pennsylvania, which was 20 electoral votes and really key to winning the whole thing, by 45,000 total votes. Right, right. So could all this stuff have swayed people that much? Yeah, it's entirely possible. Now, some of you who are Trump fans or you're you're, uh, more right of center, I know you're getting uncomfortable with this discussion. And um, I will point out two things. You had the guy from The Apprentice running against a congenital liar and criminal. The fact that that (laughs) election ever occurred at all is amazing to me. But... um, the stuff that really troubles me, I'm looking at these ads, are, for instance, Facebook accounts run by Russian trolls repeatedly called for violence against different social and political groups in the U.S. Uh, being Patriotic, a group that regularly posted content praising Trump's candidacy, stated that Black Lives Matter activists who disrespected the American flags should be immediately shot. 
It accrued about 200,000 followers before it was shut down. Another Russia-linked group, Blacktivist, described police brutality in November of 2016, right at the election, and stated, black people have to do something, an eye for an eye. The law enforcement officers keep harassing us and killing us without consequences, and called for violence against police officers. Then there was a group, Secured Voters, or I'm sorry, Secured Borders, that was calling for threats against illegal aliens. Stuff like, if you get deported, that's your only warning. You come back, you get shot and rolled into a ditch. Bang, problem solved. That's all Russian stuff. Wow. Trying to whip us up. That one of uh, shoot cops, they're out to get you from the Russians. That's, man, that is rough. Mm -hmm. Said this Mark Jacobson, Georgetown University professor, uh, who we really need to talk to. Uh, we'll, We'll talk about that after the show, but what he says... Um, he's he's an expert on Russian influence operations, not just in the U.S., but around the world, because they do it constantly. He says, quote, the Russians don't want groups like Black Lives Matter and the alt-right to sit there and have discussions and debates about the future of America. They want violent clashes. Well, and that's, right. that's why I believe those people are really like your Antifa, who I've got a bunch of information we'll get to about tomorrow, probably. They are serving the worst, the worst of the communist world's impulses for the United States. They are wittingly or unwittingly tools of all of those who would have the U.S. Uh, fall. But, and people who are either in Antifa or, or uh, you know, support them on some level, how much of the information they're getting about this awful racist country full of racist cops shooting unarmed black men is phony from the Russians. The stuff that makes them vi- enough to show up, uh, angry enough to show up at a rally and be violent. God, who uh, knows? Substantial amount, yeah. Who knows? That is troubling. And as we've been talking about the Atlantic with a long article about how the Russians were doing this in the 60s during the civil rights, you know, clashes. They were a, a huge source of, we'll never get there with Martin Luther King. We've got to embrace, you know, the, the nation of Islam and and Malcolm X in his violent days, et cetera, et cetera. So during that debate, debate they were throwing gasoline on the radical part. Here's another one that was making around a tweet that has a photoshopped image of comedian Aziz Ansari uh, with a, with a sign that says "Save time, avoid the line, vote from home." Tweet Clinton Kane with the hashtag presidential election on November eighth, twenty sixteen, between eight a.m. and six p.m. to cast your vote. Obviously, you can't actually vote by tweeting hashtags. Well, anybody who thinks that shouldn't be allowed to vote, so I'm okay with that. Uh, Twitter says it took down the tweet, and all of the tweets like it, but has no idea how many people may have tried to vote via Twitter. Hey, Jack, can I label this hour of the podcast, Joe is okay with Russian interference in our elections? <laughs> sure. Uh, and there was another one about text Hillary to 59925, avoid the line, vote from home, that was making the rounds. I have no idea how many people um, bought that. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at this blacktivist site. Um, which is trying to whip up racial division, etc. Some of it's good. Some of it's really pretty good activism. And then some of it crosses the line. Like any good, like any good scam. You know, well, the, the KGB is good at what they do. Duh, there's a good observation. And if you're concerned... That uh, this is some attempt by anybody, us or Congress or whoever, to discredit Donald Trump. Next election, it's going to be the flipped around. 
Who knows? Eventually, it'll be your person that the Russians are going after and right. making up crap about. Guaranteed. Oh, yes, it is guaranteed. Not only that, but the economy's growing pretty good. You get tax reform through. You figure out uh, something to do with uh, the whole uh, health insurance thing in America. All the discredit in the world isn't going to stop the Trump administration. So need jobs, and you won't have to worry about it. A little something called petering out coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Compromise. The Civil War happened because of compromise. The Missouri Compromise. The Three Fifths Compromise. You're a general and you don't know why the Civil War happened? What do you think caused World War II? A zoning issue? I can't get into this controversy. I just can't. I should, but I can't. I can't deal with any more controversies. Mm. I just can't handle them. So, General Kelly yesterday, Chief of Staff for Donald Trump, was talking about the Civil War and what caused it and how um, uh, General Robert E. Lee, who Sean was dressed as yesterday. In his, a sexy. Well, it's not specifically a Confederate him. general. Yeah, yeah. A generic. Sexy Confederate general. He had the gray uniform and short shorts. That was That's a funny idea. Uh, but anyway, he talked about Robert E. Lee being an honorable man, and so that caused the dust up, and so we're re-arguing this. And I just can't get into it. I can't do it. Do I can't to, go there. Do you want to hear his actual comments or no? Sure. Uh, how long are they? I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. Uh, he was a man that uh, gave up uh, gave up his country to fight for his state, which in 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Uh, now we're, it's different today. Uh, but the, 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 the lack of an ability to compromise uh, led to the Civil War. And uh, men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience uh, had them make their stand. Um, I'm not going there. You can go as long as you want. I'll stand and watch you talk, but I'm not getting into it. I refuse to get drug into yet another thing to talk about. Can't do it. I agreed with everything, but the uh, the Civil War was caused by an inability to compromise. I'm surprised he's willing to well, jump. There was no ability to compromise anymore, if that's what you meant. I'm surprised he's wanting to jump into any of this at all. Just, why? If I'm president, I don't want my chief of staff. Don't start it. Don't 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 go out and give me give me your opinion on the Civil War or abortion or anything. The general in him was coming out again. Mm. He's just understood. He's recognized uh, Robert E. Lee's genius as a general, and he just he feels it. I mean, I, let me know if this is fair or unfair. I, I read this critique of his comments, and it made sense to me. Uh, I can see why Kelly would be interested in defending an excellent Army officer who lately joined an immoral cause out of a sense of duty. Is that fair or unfair? Yeah. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, Jimmy Carter the other day in his interview in the New York Times said the Confederate general thing. He said, that's a tough one for me. Really tough. And he explained why Southern people have pride in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, I also understand why black people, whatever, can, you know, blah, 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 the whole thing. But it wasn't a clear-cut case for even Jimmy Carter, who's a, you know, super lefty. Right. Well, I thought uh, Kelly's 
statement was absolutely accurate, historically speaking. It was perfectly valid till he but, got into the but we have compromise. To, we need a limit on numbers of controversies. Things were supposed to be outraged per about. week. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's the death of outrage in me. I'm just exhausted. I, I can't even gin it up anymore. It's only Give me a couple so of days. many you can get involved in. Per week. Maybe I'll be like that one handsome Dodgers pitcher who got rocked one night but got a couple of days rest and then he was able to bring it. You'll bounce back. Oh, Game seven Braddock. Yes! Armstrong and Getty are getting ready for final thoughts. Like it, Manny. I, if there was more singing like that, I'd go to more shows. Huh? Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought. Hey, Michael, go ahead. Lead us off, would you? Yeah, if you're a kid that's listening and you want to get a lot of Halloween candy, go today, knock on doors and say, hey, you got any leftover candy? I guarantee you, oh, yeah. if people are sick of it, Good they won't give it to you. I don't want it around my house. Don't, if you knock on my... God, we're <laughs> fighting. If you, hey, I just came out to see if you got any leftover candy. Positive, Sean? Positive yeah. final thought? I love the idea of the switch witch, a way to kind of get rid of your kid's candy where you, you make up the tooth fairy equivalent on Halloween, and then you switch it out for money or something they like. I need something like that for my life with dirty dishes, laundry. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And if your kid asks you, well, Dad, why don't we just go to door asking for money? Punish them. <laughs> Jack, final thought? Yeah, the switch witch thing, I just don't know if I want to introduce yet another ruse to the uh, to the year. Another time that I make up a strange person that's visiting our house in the middle of the night and doing things for hard-to-explain reasons. Why does this little person exist? Oh, it's part of God's plan. My final thought, game seven tonight. There will be gatherings. There will be shouts of joy. I just want a good game. I'll take any outcome if it's a good game. Just a close game, an exciting game. That's all I want. My prediction? You want my prediction? Sure. The winner will be very happy. The loser, less so. It's always a little bit of a drag when the, the road team wins a championship. The oh, crowd's bummed. Yeah, you miss out on the home excitement. Yeah. Then you get the home team there in the dugout just watching the other guys jump up and down in a melancholy fashion. <laughs> mm. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a... Uh historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Senator, our, our goal is to make sure we're addressing all forms of abuse. I, my goal is for you to think through this stuff a little bit better. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.